Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Sean Sweeney, the author of, among other things, The Long Crimson Line. Sean, welcome. Hi, Stephen. How are you today? I am terrific, and it's always a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you. You and I have been Facebook friends for a long time, so we actually chat on Facebook chat uh, fairly consistently, but I never get a chance to actually speak with you, so it's a treat. Well, this is actually our second time talking because we spoke uh, two years ago. Almost yes. two years ago. It was when, too, uh, too long ago. <laughs> when, 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 I, uh, when I published uh, Redeemed, which was, I, I want to say back then, my 17th novel at the time. And now we're on number 21. Can you believe it? And I also remember referring to you as prolific. And then you gave me a lecture about why you weren't <laughs> prolific. So we may get into that <laughs> a little yeah. bit later. Here today. I, 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 I don't have the uh, the cold chills that I used to when, uh, <laughs> from two years ago. Now that I'm at novel number 21 and, and I just finished writing novel number 23 uh, to about a week and a half ago. So I'm not breaking out into cold sweats anymore when uh, when the P word is brought up. So, so I guess it's just you had to get over 20 and that, and then you're, you became comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, when, when you get to two million words written of fiction, <laughs> you, you get to call yourself prolific and not break out in a cold sweat. Plus a blog, plus all the other things you do, plus you're a sports writer. So right. yeah, <laughs> you write you write a lot. You've written a lot of words, probably way more than two million. But let's let's I, get started. Give us I ice your... my fingers quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Give us your overview of the long crimson line. The long crimson line is uh, something that I've wanted to write for quite some time, and it is it pushes the envelope beyond anything that I've written before. Uh, we start out our tale, um, of course, in the city of Boston, which I write about consistently or constantly, I should say, constantly write about Boston. And there's been a bunch of heinous murders targeted against women. And we open the book right with a murder. And in the moments before the murder takes place. And we find out a little bit about this backstory of why this character uh, is murdered. And then we introduce our protagonist, uh, Ricky Madison. And Ricky is an ex-cop, an ex-Worcester, Massachusetts cop. And he's now a florist. (laughs) And we find out the reasons why that he becomes a florist. Uh, he's he has a little bit of an insubordinate streak in him. He's very um, against the grain, shall we say. And he goes to the mayor knowing that he's a, this ex-cop who has all of this experience, but there's no leads, there's no evidence, no DNA evidence. The, the killer has been very meticulous in their crimes. And as the story goes on, Ricky and his friend, another business owner, um, put all the pieces together and they figure out that this killer may not be exactly what they seem. They also figure out that the killer is a devotee to one of the most infamous murderers in human history. 
um, from about 130 some odd years ago, and I think you know where I'm going with this one, Stephen. <laughs> well, I do because I've I've read clips of the book, so I know exactly where you're going with it. Are you going to tell us, or is that a spoiler? Uh, that would be a spoiler. Okay. You know, you All got, right. You got to read the book. All right. Well, the book. We're recording this on June 29th, which is actually release day for the book, which is very exciting. So, congratulations on that. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to air it uh, for a little while yet. But that's okay. Uh, congratulations on release day. I know that uh, you've had Happy this up book for pre-orders. Day to me. <laughs> Happy book day to me. Happy book day. Happy book day. Happy book. Day to me. It is always great to have a musical interlude in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not one of my many talents. My my wife is downstairs. She's rolling her eyes at me right now as uh, <laughs> as I sing because I I am not musically talented whatsoever. All right, John. I probably know more about your writing and your writing habits than any other person that I that I talk to. And it's okay. because we chat so much. So I, I happen to know that you finished this book some time ago. It seems like you're always working on like five things at one time and you all, you'll tell me where you are in the word count. And then I have to ask you what book you're writing. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 you, you know, you're not the first person to say that because my wife has lost track of how many books I've written okay, good. And, and what project I'm working on. Um, that's just that's part of the writing habit, and I developed that. I want to say probably twelve years ago, right, right when I started writing uh, fiction, I should say, uh, because I've been writing for twenty-two years uh, as a sports writer, and now you know, with the last twelve years as fiction, mm-hmm. um, you're always wanting to keep your brain fresh and um, moving back and forth between projects. I'll write the book in two to three months and the one i just wrote uh the the next jacqueline which we'll talk about i'm sure we'll talk about uh, later on in the program mm-hmm. um took me a little over three months to write and then you have this period where you where you're decompressing but even while i was writing um the book that uh, will come out next year. I was also thinking about other projects. So sometimes you'll take a break from um, the first draft writing if you run into a stumbling block. And I don't believe in writer's block. I believe you want to press through it and and, get something onto the page. But sometimes you take a few minutes and you jot out notes to your next project. And I've done that, too. I did uh, four steno pages of notes uh, for my next project, which I'll write this fall. Um, So you keep the brain moving. You move from first draft. Then you might do an edit at some other time. Um, Do... uh, brainstorming um sketching out of your of your uh sketching out your next project so you you just keep it moving and one of the things you do that i find unique and incredibly admirable you've got a series you've got a very popular series you mentioned that a little while ago the jacqueline johnson codenamed snapshot series but you don't just write that it's like you'll write a jacqueline and then you'll write something completely different yeah and uh you know, it, it, it's sometimes it might be a little difficult to flip the switch because Jacqueline is a thriller series, just like Long Crimson Line and mm-hmm. like Redeemed and like uh, The Lone Bostonian. I I will try to write a standalone a year, 
mm-hmm. uh, in between Jacqueline and then whatever else I'm writing. I usually write Jacqueline in the summertime, but I, I kind of fiddled with it and I wrote it in the spring because I had some other projects that I have to work on over the next couple of months um, for the fall. All right, so let's talk about Jacqueline for a minute. This is a, a different kind of a series. This is like a high-octane, fun, um, beach-reedy kind of thing is, is, is my impression of, of having read the series, uh, as opposed to some of the more serious things that you write. So give us a sense of who Jacqueline is and what this series is all about. Jacqueline Johnson is a partially blind CIA counterterrorism agent, basically in the vein of a James Bond or a Mitch Rapp or a Laura Croft. Um, so basically, it's a, it's a blending of those three. And for the most part, in the early part of the series, she 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 wants to work alone because things have happened to her partners, um, which has given her this edge. This it's her against the world. Um, her parents were, um, her father actually was high-ranking general in the military, and he and his wife were killed on September 11th. So basically, she was born from the ashes of terrorism itself. And she has uh, since gotten married uh, to a fellow um, counterterrorism agent from MI5 in England, and she also has a, a teenage ward that she uh, basically rescued from the streets of Las Vegas um, back in book three. So we're in book seven now. Uh, actually, we just finished book seven. Uh, book six was released back in January, uh, which is called Travel Agent. It takes place in Sydney, Australia. Uh, so we've uh, we've bounced around the globe. We've been to Boston, obviously. Uh, <laughs> obviously. We went, <laughs> we went to London. Uh, we went to Las Vegas, Atlanta. Uh, book five took place in Detroit. Uh, and book six, obviously, was in Sydney. Book seven, we took to Jacqueline's hometown of Seattle, Washington. And it's, it, the, the, the seventh Jacqueline is different from the other six in that there are certain emotions that come to the forefront because she has not been in Seattle since September 11th. Or actually, I should say September 12th or 13th of uh, 2001 she's been away um obviously training to become um this counterterrorism agent that uh, kicks ass and looks great doing it so sh- there's certain emotions that come into play and we we find out she's got a stalker so uh it, it's interesting to see how everything plays out in this book and why the term snapshot series? Because uh, back in the – well, she is uh, – I, I won't you, – you explain it. Well, Jacqueline, when she was probably 16 or 17 years old, so we have to remember that she was uh, 14 years old when 9-11 happened. So this is probably 2004, 2005 when she is at the mall uh, right outside of um, Washington, D.C., I believe it's in Alexandria, um, and her and her mentor, Alex Dupuy, who is the head of the CIA, they're sitting in the food court, and someone from a modeling agency comes up to her and says, I like your look. Uh, how would you like to be a model? 
And she kind of was a little standoffish about it, but then she gave it a little bit more thought. And she's like, how about that be my code name or my, my cover, uh, should it be, mm-hmm. as, as being a model? And because, you know, you need modeling pictures, a snapshot, so shall we say, mm-hmm. she becomes Secret Agent Snapshot or her code name is Snapshot. Okay. Now, we've mentioned Boston a couple of times, and that's one of the the, the most consistent themes that that come across in all of your writing is the city of Boston and essentially your love affair with the city right. of Boston. You paint it even even in Redeemed, which was set in the future and uh, a little dystopian. You've had you've had a few books that are set in the future. Um you still paint a loving portrait of the city. Tell, tell us about this love affair with Boston. Well, I was born uh, in the city of Fitchburg, Massachusetts, which is about 50 miles uh, to the northwest of Boston, uh, north of Worcester, uh, only a few uh, minutes drive, probably about a 20-minute drive from the New Hampshire border, uh, depending on traffic. And I drive the speed limit, so it's probably about 20. Um, and I always went into Boston when I was younger. Um, because of a, a medical condition that I have, Boston obviously has the best hospitals uh, in our country, uh, probably even the world. Uh, so I spend a great amount of time in Boston, and obviously I'm a Boston sports fan. I go to Fenway. I go to, went to the Garden. Um, I never went to the Old Garden, which is, uh, for a Boston sports fan, kind of uh, blasphemous. <laughs> Um, but uh, I, I fell in love with the city, and we always my, my my folks and I always went into Boston on Saturdays to go to the uh, to go to the concerts on City Hall Plaza, and I learned about how City Hall Plaza used to be this happening place called Scully Square, and I learned about the history of Scully Square and how it became what it is today. And um, so many books that I've written about that area. Mm-hmm. And when, when you go to an area as frequently as I did, uh, you learn quite a bit about it and you learn about the angles and uh, the history and the smells. You can, you can smell Boston when you're reading a book of mine, because mm-hmm. I, I, I try to keep the details ripe that, you know, when you're passing city hall, going towards Faneuil hall down the street of Cornhill, what used to be a street called Cornhill when it was Scully square, you can smell the urine, um, that comes off of city hall. Um, because obviously there is a major homeless population throughout major cities and as a bit of a euphemism city hall and and scully square has become boston's toilet shall we say um so you can smell the air the 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 salt uh, coming off the boston harbor and you can smell everything pretty much you you can walk down commercial street um in the north end and, you know, if you're going from walking east from um, the TD Garden on Causeway Street, it becomes uh, commercial. And then you can hear the bells tinkling off of um, the mouth of the Charles River as the boats head out to the harbor. So Boston is probably more organic of a city other than, you know, than any other city that I know. I've never been to uh, New York. I've been to New York once, or sorry, twice, but I've never been 
in the city proper. I've always been in like a terminal. So like to say that, you know, you can go down to um, Battery Park and, and hear the boats and the birds. I don't know that, but I know Boston. Mm-hmm. I can hear everything and I can smell it. I can probably see it right now if I close my eyes. Um, so you put that into the book and, and it paints the picture for those who have been there and, and, and even for those who haven't. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, as I said earlier, is so consistent about your books because I haven't seen everything in Boston the way you have, uh, but the things I have seen, it really does refresh my memory of, of what it was like to be there. And that's it's one of the, the great pleasures I get from reading your books. So I thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. And, uh, you know, you, you can go to any pretty much any place in Boston. I think I've written about it, uh, with, with, with the exception of maybe the South End. I, I, I've never really approached the South End. I've, I've been there in a book. I have been there in a book. I've been there in Redeemed, but I've never been there mm-hmm. uh, in person. So uh, one of these days I'm going to get down to that area because there's so much history in that area. The old Boston Braves ballpark was in the South End. It's now a, a, a commuter rail and subway hub uh, where that stadium used to be before they moved over to, to Boston University in the old Braves field um, before, they, uh, before they moved to uh, Milwaukee and now obviously in Atlanta. All right, Sean, where can people buy The Long Crimson Line? You can basically get it through my website, SeanSweeneyAuthor.com. Click the bookstore link. Mm-hmm. It's Right now, it's the first set of links on that page. You'll find the, the, the matte black cover with the bloody knife right on it. <laughs> and, Just in uh, case you were wondering what kind of book this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get it on Kindle uh, across, uh, across this globe. You can get it on Nook, Kobo. Um, Smashwords. It should be uh, up by now on iBooks. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. Google Play. We're going to have a paperback edition, which should be out by now uh, on uh, this uh, date of July 24th as we uh, we broadcast. What's the best way for people to keep up with your work? Because it sounds like, I'm sure people listening to this think there's a new book coming out every week. And as someone who follows your work, I kind of feel like there is a new book coming out every week. <laughs> so what's the best way for people to keep up with you? The running joke uh, throughout North Central Massachusetts or, or, or through uh, my Facebook pages is, uh, so how many books have you released this week? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but uh, uh, you can get me on Facebook, which is, uh, you know, you know, we could probably spend a couple of minutes talking about how the business has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Sean Sweeney author, but make sure you click follow, make sure you click, uh, uh, get notifications or else you're never going to see a post, right. um, by, by me. You can also go to my website, uh, Sean There is a newsletter, um, sign up, which uh, you can get my newsletter. The next time I'm going to send out a newsletter is probably going to be in November, probably, because I'm not going to release anything until then. And Sean Sweeney author is S-E-A-N-S-W-E-E-N-E-Y author.com. And so, yeah, go to Sean's website, sign up for his email list, and be notified when new things come out. Sean, thank you. This has been a blast. You're welcome, Stephen. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, too, at SMSweeneyAuthor. 
You're good. You're good, my friend. Thank I you. <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> this is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or review. Those help other readers find great new books like The Long Crimson Line from Sean Sweeney. Thanks for listening.